And as Dr. Reichel said, I will be talking today on virtual reality, virtual identity, and spiritual identity. And I'm hoping to share some thoughts and maybe some clarifications, maybe provide a discourse so that we can start thinking about this theologically, because I don't see very much literature that seems to be very clear on how we should go about thinking about this as Christian thinkers, as theologians, as church members. And I was kind of inspired to look at this particular topic because I had a conversation with a pastor earlier this year regarding a church plant, if you would like to call it the plant, that happened in 2016 by this pastor named DJ Soto. And this church plant was called Virtual Reality Church. It was the first church that was completely globalized, completely disembodied, if we want to use that language, and therefore supposedly the most inclusive church possible. Now, the way this church works is that all the members wear Oculus Rifts, and they meet on Sundays twice, and they engage in worship, they engage in virtual communion, so virtual worship, virtual communion, and they have virtual fellowship. And the conversation I had with the pastor was over whether or not this is considered church. And he was not very enthusiastic about that, and I have to admit that... <laughs> And I have to admit that I had some hesitations as well because it's, it wasn't a, an issue for me until it finally kind of arrived into my conceptual framework. And I think that if it strikes us as odd, a lot of us might have some hesitations that are articulated by a particular professor at Baylor University who says virtual reality replaces bodily and physical reality or the two are confused. As if, the, as if the difference does not really matter. Can a pastor really pastor or shepherd a congregation if he or she is never among them? Is there really total commensurability spiritually between seeing and hearing a local pastor preach, pray, and teach bodily, physically, and seeing and hearing a speaker via satellite feed or internet connection? And while virtual reality church might be the one church of its kind presently, I know that there are a lot of churches, particularly of the evangelical bent, that do things like telecast, that do things like media communication. There's a growing trend to do church and home via the internet. So I was coming at this particular issue with these kinds of things in mind. And so I'm hoping that maybe we can have some clarity or maybe some more clarity after my brief discussion today. So the question is, what is virtual reality? And to pretty much glide over an entire etymological analysis, I think there are pretty much two ways that we can think about virtual reality, or that we generally think about virtual reality. And the first is that virtual reality is an almost, an almost but not quite reality. When we use the word virtual, we think about it being virtually 12 o'clock, almost but not quite 12 o'clock, or I guess 12.30 for sake, I was off on time. <laughs> but, we, we use the word virtual to indicate already that whatever it is we're talking about is not quite as real as whatever it is we really want to talk about. And I think that's wrong. And I think that's wrong because I think it pretty much decides the case against virtual reality right off the bat. It automatically assumes that whatever it is we're talking about is somehow less real than what we actually want to talk about. So I think a second definition is in order. And this one, I think, neutralizes the tendencies we have. The second definition would be a computer-based version of reality. And I think there, perhaps it's concealed, perhaps it's removed, we don't immediately necessarily think that virtual reality is just some sort of illusion or some sort of falsification of reality. 
And we can elaborate this definition by pointing to things like immersion or interaction or computer generation as characteristics that define or describe what virtual reality is and what people experience when they engage in virtual reality. This would allow us to include things like World of Warcraft, which would be a kind of virtual world, even though if I exclude the immersion qualification, we still have a sort of virtual element. It would allow us to include things like Second Life, which also had church plants when it was very popular a few years ago. It would allow us to include things if we remove all those different descriptions, such as social media even, as thinking about those as a certain kind of virtual reality or a virtual environment, although maybe perhaps the barest of kinds. Although, realistically, the most bare virtual reality would probably be the theater, where you don't have a computer-generated immersion or computer-generated interaction or computer generation at all. And just for some trivia, that's actually how the word virtual reality actually entered into the English language in 1958 was first used in reference to the powers of the theater to teleport us or transport us into a fictional universe. And so I think there are four propositions that are pretty intuitive that we work with as Christians, as thinkers. And I think they've come up when we've talked about virtual reality or virtual identity, and we've talked about identity in general yesterday and even today. The first proposition that I think is pretty intuitive is that virtual reality, whatever it is, which is what we'll get to soon, creates a virtual identity. Now, depending on how strict our understanding of VR is, that can include all sorts of things. That, include, that can include social media. That can include avatars. But it includes all sorts of things. I think we want to say that virtual reality creates a virtual identity. A second proposition that I think is intuitive is that virtual identity is a mediated identity. Now, I think there are many different kinds of mediated identity. And I think virtual reality is one. And I think that different technologies mediate identity differently. This actually comes up as an issue in philosophy for Plato, who actually thinks about writing, specifically writing down words as a type of mediation, although he thinks about it negatively. He thinks that writing is a kind of technology, and that what happens is that something's put between the speaker or the communicator and the audience of the communicator. And that thing that is put between, in his, in his understanding, lessens the reality or the value of what is being communicated. So if we were to construe identity as mediated, I think we should think about all of the ways in which identity is mediated. So you can have a technologically mediated identity in the sense that Plato puts forward. You can have a mediated identity visually in the sense that Sarah had demonstrated for us. You can have a mediated identity if you were to go to one of your friends, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, et cetera, and ask that person, what do you think about me? That person will return to you a mediated identity. So a mediated identity doesn't have to be technological, but it does involve some sort of contingency, some sort of intermediary, some sort of in-between that helps us understand who we are. There are two other propositions that I think are pretty intuitive. And I think that we are, in some, some ways, maybe more loosely than others, committed to. Thus, the third proposition is that spiritual reality creates a spiritual identity. And the fourth is that spiritual identity is a mediated identity as well. And I think that within the Christian faith, we have to accept, in some way, shape, or form, those two propositions, in addition to the first two that I put forward. 
So what I think is at stake in our understanding of virtual identity is really our understanding of mediated identity, and then specifically how our understanding of mediated identity relates to our understanding of spiritual identity. That's what I think is really at stake for us, and I think that's hopefully something that we can maybe articulate a little bit better. So the question that we're really trying to answer by looking at virtual reality is, is mediated identity real identity or fictional identity? And fictional identity can take all sorts of forms, but just whatever you, shooting from the hip, the way you would use those words is mediated identity, real identity, or fictional identity. And I think that in the current philosophical literature surrounding the nature of virtual reality, we can end up with three answers, three potential answers, if we rely on the resources. And those answers are that mediated identity as instantiated in virtual identity is real identity. That mediated identity as instantiated in virtual identity is fictional identity. Or that we have to just toss those categories out altogether. Now, I'm a big fan of the third one, but I'm going to do the work to get us, to get us there. I'm not just going to skip. So if we were to say that virtual identity is real identity, we would be drawing upon the work of David Chalmers. And Chalmers is pretty much the stalwart defender of this position. He is the most robust articulator of this position, and he articulates it most robustly. But for him, virtual identity, say in video games, avatars, are real, is real. Those avatars are real, virtual reality is real as our social media profiles, as our data profiles. Your identity is a lot larger than you might think. It's not just what you attend to, it's, a, it's much larger. For him, virtual objects are digital objects that are grounded in computational process, which are uh, processes which are grounded in physical processes. So at the end of the day, he'll say things like virtual dragons, cats, and castles are real objects. They're just not physical dragons, cats in castles. So for him, the real includes the virtual and it includes the physical. That would be the first view. That's how we would try to substantiate a realist virtual identity. We could take the opposite view, which would be a fictionalist understanding, and that would say that virtual identity is fictional. It's not real, as are social media profiles, as are data profiles, as is everything else out there about you that isn't who you are right here, right now. This view is articulated by Neil MacDonald and Nathan Wildman, and they basically insist that virtual objects are not digital objects. They instead maintain that virtual objects are make-believe, although a very complicated form of make-believe, basically gesturing back to the theater, and that the way that we engage in this make-believe is that we're guided by digital objects, such as different features of virtual reality, what would be called features of virtual reality, color, shape, sounds, et cetera. So we're engaged in a, in a very complicated form of make-believe. And of course, there's the other option, none of the above. And I think that we have to assess these positions pretty strictly because I think that these two positions have largely trickled down into popular culture and influence how we go about intuitively thinking about virtual identity and virtual reality. For Virtual realism, as articulated by Chalmers, I don't think we can commit to it because it does not hold, because it does not allow us to understand spiritual reality as being real. 
for, uh, for Chalmers, basically what happens is that virtual, virtuality is real in reference to the physical world. He has to establish this physical causation, has to say that because we have this particular physical structure that is transmitted up into the virtual realm, therefore we can say virtual objects are real objects. He, as you might anticipate as an atheist, but he, he doesn't think that that can be applied to spiritual reality at all. And I think that's problematic for us. So I don't think that we can take a realist, ident a realist understanding of virtual identity on Chalmers' perspective. But what about on uh, McDonald's perspective? I don't think we want that perspective either because basically for the same, for the same reason, an emphasis on the physical, McDonnell and Wildman pretty much disregard virtual identity as real identity. And they're going to also throw in that bucket spiritual identity. And I don't think that we can, I don't think as Christians we can be committed to that. So I don't think either of those positions is adequate. And so I propose taking a third option rather than these other two. And this third option would be to dodge what I believe the underlying problem is. And that is that the current philosophical and oftentimes theological discourse about virtual reality and virtual identity is grounded on a metaphysical realism, insisting that virtual reality and virtual identity must correspond in some way to the real world. I think that's problematic. What happens is that the real world, as we understand it, is largely what is accessible to scientific analysis it becomes the physical, it becomes the material. So the current philosophical articulations of virtual reality and virtual identity will always exclude spiritual reality and spiritual identity. And so I don't think that's very helpful for us. I think that we want to undo that kind of assumption and kind of broaden our understanding of what is real. And there are different ways of doing this. I think there are two. One of them is to basically be insistent. So rather than toss out metaphysical realism, we'll go ahead and double down. And what we'll do is we'll articulate a kind of realism that emphasizes spiritual reality as the real. The physical world would then be a shadow world, the not really re real. Basically, we would postulate a kind of neo-Christian neoplatonism and insist that we should be reorienting ourselves in how we think about identity around spiritual identity. But I also think this position doesn't help us very much because it doesn't help us to decide between the status of virtual reality and even maybe physical reality, virtual identity and physical identity. What happens is that it becomes really, really difficult to tell how we would rank or how we would even move or arrange or hierarchicalize those different identities, largely because when Plato talks about things like language as being a technology mediation that degrades the reality it's meant to communicate, Plato isn't thinking in terms of an, a completely accurate visual representation that is a three-dimensional object. He's thinking in terms of very clear objects such as writing or pictures. So I think we don't have very much help in this perspective because we aren't going to be able to decide between what is actually virtual and what is actually physical. And even if we could, I think we end up in a similar problem 
which I've already gestured at, which is that we end up hierarchicalizing things in relation to, or hierarchicalizing realities in relation to another reality, which is just another kind of correspondence, which I think will encourage sliding into things like Manichaeism or Gnosticism, or the current technological fad, which is transhumanism, emphasizing virtual reality as an escape from the material world, which is ultimately bad. So I think that we can't go with that solution, which is doubling down on a metaphysical realism. Instead, I think that what we should do or at least I'm hoping what we maybe consider doing, is that we adopt a metaphysical irrealism. So rather than just saying that the way that we understand things as being real is that they correspond to some other reality, that we have the correct picture of reality or something like that, we can instead say that we don't need to justify particular realities in relation to each other. We can say that the virtual, rea virtual reality, material reality, and spiritual reality are all real, or even better, all actual, and kind of take our identity and expand it to being completely pluralistic, which is what I think some thinkers have gestured at yesterday. And we can instead appeal to coherence, not correspondence. Virtual identity would thus be an actual identity, and material identity would also be an actual identity, and spiritual identity would be an actual identity. And we could account for the interaction interrelation of these different identities by using causal coherence or something like that. If, this is, a, I guess, giving away my card. If we draw inspiration from Nelson Goodman, virtual reality is real not because it corresponds to the physical world, but because humans make it real. And so virtual, and so virtual identity is that way as well. And spiritual reality is real because God makes it real and so is spiritual identity as a result of that. And I think that this gives us a stronger set of resources than the other views because it allows us to talk about spiritual experience in virtual reality and allows us to be able to talk about virtual reality church in a way that I think is more charitable and maybe less denigrative. The huge upshot is that virtual reality and spiritual reality, virtual identity and spiritual identity can overlap and so we can accommodate spiritual experience in virtual reality and allow for the virtual too to be redeemed, which I think seems to be a big problem that we as Christians struggle with, redeeming technology. So what's, what are we supposed to say about virtual reality church? I would suggest that virtual reality church is an expression of creation and that it is a ministry that is in the process of redeeming a certain expression of creation and that we should think about virtual reality and think about virtual identity as sort of a new ministry front. Thank you.